Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod, episode 175. I'm Johnny Hammond alongside Sarah Bernabern and Sadia Kabea. Ladies, looking resplendent again this morning, Monday morning. Uh, great pod ahead of us, looking at the Wales squad. We're looking at the England under 20 squad. Some news from Australia we'll have a chat about. Uh, and we'll have a look back at the uh, the one and only fixture on the PWR last weekend and look ahead to a full round of fixtures this weekend as well. All the international news, as ever, with the brilliant uh, newscaster that we've got on board now, Rory. But ladies, how are we? Sadia, the new hair. We've got to talk about the new hair. That is magnificent. Uh, thanks, Ronnie. Thank you. Well, basically, I was going to do my own hair for two weeks and I was procrastinating for two weeks because I just couldn't be bothered. I couldn't. The thought of it made me want to cry. So then I uh, caved in and booked up my hairdresser and got my hair done. So now I feel lovely and refreshed and I feel like a new person. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my hair. So, so I'm feeling great because I have my hair done. You know when you don't have your, I don't know if you feel the same way, Johnny. But if you don't have your hair done, sometimes you just feel like poop. And now I've got it done, I feel on top of the world. So yeah. Yeah, do you feel so the same I- way, Johnny? <laughs> Um, what one hundred percent? Um, I'm in a transition phase, and that's why I'm wearing a cap. <laughs> Genuinely, uh, Sarah, you get the same kind of feelings. I can't believe we're actually having a chat now. <laughs> Feel good, but it's important, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, when we when we when we when we look good, and we think we think we look good. Um, yeah, we we feel better, and that's um all part of it, isn't it? Yeah, I really love getting my hair done. I love all that stuff. I love getting my nails done. I love getting my eyelashes done, all all of it. It does make a massive difference, I think. If you're feeling like a little bit down or like, especially in like January, February, it's like so grey and dull outside. You've got to do things to brighten your day up. Sadia, how, how long does it take? Um, well, when I'm a hairdresser, it takes about... Eight hours, but if I was to do it myself, that would take a whole probably about fourteen because I have to eat, I have to nap, I have to watch TV, I have to procrastinate in between. So yeah, you're sat in a hairdresser's for eight hours. Yeah, Wowzers. lots of snacks and lots of Netflix. Wowzers! That's a that's a lot of chat as well. Do, do you chat? Do you, Chat about when you're going on holiday and that kind of stuff. No chat. No, no, no. We don't, we don't chat, no. <laughs> wow. I'm not the biggest hey, talker, well. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, this hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> and what are you up to the, the weekend, Bernard? How's, uh, how's the knee? I've seen you sort of getting out one of those sort of Robocop type things. <laughs> yeah I've been um I've been able to walk a bit better this week um and I see the surgeon this Thursday actually so hopefully I can come out my brace soon um and start actually doing some rehab but it's just got loads of fluid in it at the minute which I'm not really allowed to get rid of but I also can't do a lot because it's got fluid in it so it's like trying to find a good balance of letting it swell but not too much so I can't do my rehab so, no, it was all right. It was really nice, actually. My family came up at the weekend, um, which for my the swelling in my knee didn't do too well with two little boys running around, like, trying to, like, play, like, hide and seek. <laughs> um, particularly with the little ones got ADHD, so he can't sit still for very long. So, um, but no, it was really nice to see those guys, yeah. Ah, oh, some time with the little ones. How how lovely. Um, what, what does a weekend look like the other day? Because, obviously, we've established we're, we're in a, in a hair salon for uh, it affects me an entire day what was the other day uh, on a weekend off look like for you Sadia um, I went to Brussels hopped on the Eurostar had a quick weekend away that's cute no way yeah how cool is that yeah what did you get up cool. to um, ate loads of waffles uh, loads of chips um, more waffles uh, and then I saw a little boy peeing because that's what you have to see when you go to Brussels. There's a little mannequin that um, pees into a fountain, and it's like one of Brussels' like main attractions. So yeah, Samaritan <laughs> piss. There it is. Yep. Um, I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, 
Um, yeah, the little boy being excited. <laughs> no, no idea what the significance is, but uh, yeah, you're quite right. So a bit of culture and um, being the chef you are, just t- tasting the sort of local delicacies. You know me. You know me. I just have to. It's more. It's it's more for um, education. You know, so I can take it back to to my kitchen when I get home. Not because I want to eat it. You know. No, obviously. And it's if you not got some waffles already, then. No, not yet. Not yet. Oh, come on! This week, and then you can send them around the place. Um, that'd be awesome, ladies. Um. I've got a huge amount uh, going on in the, the world of women's rugby. I mean, it's still plenty, don't get me wrong, but um, not, 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 not a huge amount. Just, as I say, the, the one fixture from the PWR, which we'll get onto later on and, and then preview a full round of fixtures. Uh, but a bit of international news on the, the pod. Wales have announced their extended Six Nations training squad. Not a huge amount of surprises. What? caught your eye didn't catch your eye Sarah Byrne um I think seeing the return of um flip-flop as as they call them in in the Welsh camp um um yeah so um Rebecca de Filippo is that how you say it I really I've only known her as flip-flop so um and then I think the the missing for me it's the the big one is missing Shoneb um I haven't seen her name in the squad yet and then the return of um you, everyone used to refer to her sheep as Shona Powell Hughes, Hughes, but I think her, her name's changed now. So, um, yeah, I think it, there's a couple of people that you probably haven't seen for a, a while that have returned into the squad, which is kind of exciting. Um, but also, it is interesting to see that they haven't selected Shona, as she this does play such a big role for them in their Welsh side. And for you, Sadia? Uh, yeah, kind of just echoing everything that Berna said. Um, and also, Danny Hesketh being added to the world squad as well. Um, she's been going well in, in the PWR Bristol Bears. So, I think it was only a matter of time until um, someone picked her up. So, quite excited for her. Yeah, former England under 20s captain, um, qualifies through a Welsh grandmother. And the, the PWR doing favours for, for not just England, but uh, multiple countries because uh, these kind of players are, are playing top level. Um, Week in, week out. Yeah, Shona Powell-Hughes, as uh, we formerly knew her, now Shona Walkley, who married Nick, the uh, GB7s coach, isn't he, for the, uh, the women's side. Uh, she's been ripping it up in the Celtic Challenge. Um, and again, that Celtic Challenge has, has unearthed a, a few players, um, Australian-born, Welsh-qualified black rower Tess Evans, Alongside scrum half Sean Jones and uh, Gwen and Hopkins as well, uh, so there's a, a couple of new faces. This is, of course, the era post El Snowsill, um, and we uh, we spoke to Craig George, didn't we, um, a few a few weeks ago? Um, how do you think Wales are going to develop? Where do you think they need to develop post? Well, the last time they're together was uh, WXV one, wasn't it? Which um, in terms of results. Was was an unsuccessful campaign. Yeah, I think um, Wales. I think that they always have a brilliant pack. Like their pack is always incredibly tough to play against. You look at the start of most of their games. You have the likes of um, Gwen You've got George Evans. You've got players like Alicia Butchers. That they're really hard to play against. Kelsey Jones. Um, for me, I think where sometimes they kind of lose their way a bit is just that organisation in, in the backs line. So it'll be really interesting to see, um, like um, Flakey's been playing so well for Gloucester, how they kind of all merge together coming back from their from the premiership clubs and um, back in, into their Welsh side. Um, I think if they can, it'll be really exciting to see um, Flip-Flop, if she's still playing 12, to be in that 12 row and... Um, kind of see how they, what backs they pick, what combinations they use. Um, and especially if they get any of their GB7s girls back, it'll be interesting to see where the likes of Jazz Joyce or um, Kaylee, Kaylee sit within that. Yeah, Kaylee Powell, the uh, the fullback. Um... I think you've got a player like Jazz who just creates something out of nothing. Like she can pick the most terrible decision and you'd think, why have you picked that? And she'll then make a line break and you're kind of like, Okay, fair enough. Like, um, and this similar with like Kaylee. Kaylee's been 
um, rehabbing at Bristol. So she's coming back from her ACL and she's been playing and training absolutely amazingly. Um, but then you've also got Courtney Keat, who, again, is probably not your out-and-out pacer, but she is an extremely robust, powerful, explosive sprinter that they haven't had bef- they haven't had for a while as well. So it's nice to see um, her back in the mix for Six Nations, hopefully, um, again, returning from her ACL. Um, so they have a lot of different options, but I think Jazz is just one of those, you know, once-in-a-generation play- once players that, has just the pace, the power, the agility to just get out of tricky decisions and, and score some absolute worldy tries. Yeah, for me, definitely would be that organisation and their backline and, and how they organise in open play, which is normally down to their key playmakers as well. So relates to the backs. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they use and develop the young players coming in because I think they've got quite a lot of young players now named in the squad um, and to see if they're going to play any of them, if if many of them will, will get their first cap, but also if it, any of them can bring anything new to the team as well. So I think that will be interesting to see how well them develop and use those players. Up front, of course, Cecilia Tupolotu. Um, and the return, as we've seen over the last few weeks, of you know, that really experienced second row partnership um, of Gwen Crabb and Natalia John. Again, it had Natalia on a few weeks back. Um, but great, great to see them back in a, Gwen Crab is a he's a fine fine athlete, isn't she? Uh, a, a great great second row for them. They have been sort of filling in with George Evans and whatever, who will give one hundred ten percent. But um, having those second rows back will will make a big difference, I would suspect, to to the line out as well. So um, Wales in, in decent shape for for the Six Nations. Um, there's now two purse in the team. Gwen and Alu. Alu. Yeah. Alu Purse. Some... I don't know, though. I don't know. You could probably just. <laughs> but I have heard that apparently, if this is her younger sister, I think they've come from a really big family. So if this is one of, I think it's her younger sister, who apparently is a giant, like a tall, strong, like farmer, farmer strength. I think it's going to be really good for you for them. I think it's someone that I know um, Eleanor Snowsill used to speak about quite a lot. Um, if it if it is that if it is the particular sister that I'm thinking of, um, then I think it, they, that could be really exciting for Wales as well to have someone who ha- has the height and the ability um, to like have that power and strength that that Gwenny has. Um, it'll be exciting for them because they always say to us, "Oh, how do you get all these tall giants in your team?" And we, I always say, oh, they're from the north. We don't know. <laughs> they're all from the north. So, um, they they don't understand how we get, like, the likes of Abby Ward, Zoe Oldcroft, Emily Scarrett, um, Kath O'Donnell. So, it, for them, I think it's really exciting if, if they have, if it is um, if it is the right place. Yes, uh, indeedy so. Um, that, that That is exciting because, yeah, it, it's been an area which has needed... Uh, with greatest respect, refreshing um, the, the the prop situation in in the Wales team. I think that's that that's fair to say. Um, you know, some old stages done a done a brilliant job for for many a year, but it's just an area need refreshing. And also, modern props. You tell us, Bernard, aren't scrummaging and lifting in a line out and uh, and at restart. It, you're expected to do a hell of a lot more. So the the fancy dance in the back row can just whiz around doing their thing. Yeah, I think um, kind of now, particularly in the women's game, it was more seen as oh, you they can do this as well. I think it, I think it's incredibly hard. I think if you're playing in a game that has uh, both brilliant packs, a brilliant front row, you're gonna lose those elements because the scrum absorbs so much energy from your front rowers. So the harder um, the scrum is, the more concentration, the more the more amount of scrums you have. That element of the front row that is a bit more. Um, expansive will kind of get zapped out of those guys just because there's there's nothing. You could be the fittest person in the world and you could not do 24 scrums and still sprint around the pitch. It just doesn't work. Um, but I think, yeah, to see the lights of more and more kind of um, that athletic props coming through and the ones that can make line breaks and also ball handlers as well, it, it just adds such a big dimension to every team. If you have a front row that can handle and make dominant carries, um, for every team, it, it adds another ball carrier, which again is harder to defend. So um, it's so exciting to see the likes of um, 
like these players coming through and hopefully they'll th- thrive in the Six Nations. Sadia, again with the greatest respect, who are the three players in the Welsh back row you don't want to come up against in the Six Nations, potentially? Mm. Are we a Beth and Lewis, Callender, Georgia Evans, Shona Walkley, um, Alicia Butchers, Joyce... Uh, I've actually never played against Alicia Butchers, but I've seen, well, only in the Prem. I've never played against her internationally, but I mean, I think her performances um, speak for herself. Um, so I think she's definitely someone who I'd be um, probably excited to play, but also, yeah, kind of wary of what, of what she can do. So definitely Alicia Butchers. Definitely Alex Callender, I think that's probably first on every forward would say not <laughs> just the back row uh, just because she's typical seven you know out and out noise around the breakdown and she does her job really well so it makes it quite hard for another back row um especially those who who likes to go over the breakdown as well so definitely Alex Callender and I would say I think George Evans too if she were whether she's playing she's in the back row or the second row she's pretty similar to Alcal but I think she's a bit more of a ball carrier, um, but the same, the same kind of uh, noisiness, um, just all, all over the, all over the pitch. But I think in the back row, it's not well. People you kind of fear playing. I don't really like playing on the ones that are annoying. <laughs> you, <'cause>, <laughs> which is, you know, I think as a as a back row, if you're called annoying, you're kind of doing your job right. I don't know if I've got the annoying, the annoying title just yet, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those three definitely. There's still time, Sadia. <laughs> no, well, that was what the, the question was kind of kind of directed at because they are in your face, put you off your game any way they can, and and have been successful, especially against England um, last few years. Certainly for patches of, of games, certainly starts of games, um, certainly hit, hit you red roses um, off off your stride. But um, yeah, it, it's a it's a strong world squad. Looking forward to seeing what. Um, they can do come the uh, come the six nations i am shona pal hughes and you are listening to the women's rugby pod those wanting to potentially play in the six nations the full women's six nations at some point are the under 20s players um, england have announced their sort of training squad lj lewis formerly of was of course lovely person really good coached by all accounts is being helped out let's get into coaching first by Sarah McKenna she gonna make a, a, a good coach is she she's tailor-made for coaching isn't she yeah I think McKenna's gonna be gonna be great in that in that role definitely um she played a big role in, in England with you know being that hat girl um like organizing all, all our fun stuff and getting people involved so from a coaching point of view she's great at you know keeping everyone engaged, um, having everyone in the same place and on that same mindset. So I think from that point of view, from what I've experienced with her, she'll be great. And I'm sure um, those under 20 girls are going to have not only a fun time, but also, you know, have someone who has loads of experience playing um, international rugby um, and premiership rugby um, coaching them as well. So I think those are two two great things that will probably, yeah, make her a good coach there. Yeah, I would agree. I think... Um... McKenna's also had experience in the seven field as well as in the 15. She's played for a long time. She's played a few different positions in the backs. Um, she is just a bundle of energy. Some of the funniest socials or things I remember has been led by Sarah McKenna. So um, she's just going to be, I think she'll be really passionate and just have that really positive energy that um, that will just encourage the girls. I think when you're in under 20s, you can get kind of caught up in, oh, I want to play for England. I want to play for England now. And actually a lot of the time it's just enjoying and learning what you're doing and trying to, you know, meet different people, get different opinions of different coaches, things like that. So I think she'll be great for that. And I do think they'll probably be one of the funnest 20s camps that will ever have been. <laughs> it is hype manager an actual title. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> no, no, no. I think she would have it. She would have hype manager. <laughs> Connor, what what's the hypiest thing she's she's done? You said you uh, this is, I know certainly in, in New Zealand she was sort of almost as you say like in charge of, of keeping you guys on the straight and narrow mentally and whatever. Um, 
and doing games and what have you and, and thinking the things up. What what are the best kind of stuff that McKenna's done in the under twenties can expect? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't around for McKenna as long as Bernard, but I remember obviously in uh, New Zealand the World Cup her organising the Halloween social, which was basically a um, what would you call it? Another horror Haunted maze. house. A horror, horror maze, house. yeah. <laughs> which was which was a lot a lot of fun. Um, uh, and she put everything into that. It wasn't just like your like B tech like decorations. She was acting. There was people in suitcases. There was you know uh, screams getting played as you walked through through the through the maze. So yeah, that was uh, probably one of the best things that I remember McKenna doing. Yeah, there's a lot of things, but I'm not sure they'll be allowed on the podcast. <laughs> but, right. um, okay. Yeah. One of the other things is um, I remember when we were building up after COVID to play against New Zealand. It was quite daunting. Um, and she just kind of brought in like these balloon animals. And she was like, right, we're going to do balloon animal making just in the middle of dinner. And everyone was just sat like eating, like trying to make like dogs and bunnies out of these like, balloons. And it was really funny. And it was just kind of more little things like that. She was in charge of our kind of, we used to have a thing called Compete to Win. And she was in charge of leading that and making sure that everyone kind of, got involved with something a lot of people be like uh force fun but i think they're kind of some of the funniest times you end up remembering um so she's just a really good like people person team person um and just yeah she she'd be great to to have around in that in that squad and bernard in, in terms of the players has she got to to coach and 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 present and and get to get to a decent level uh, continue their development. Um, who, who springs out of you that uh, under under twenty squad? Um, I for me, it's going to be Renika Bonner. She is going to be a ferocious player. I think she is strong. She is unbelievably quick, and and there's a lot of unbelievable quick people at Bristol on those wings. So, um, yeah, and she is also just the funniest, like down to earth person I've kind of ever met there's a really nice little group of them at Hartbury I mean at Gloucester at Bristol that go to Hartbury as well oh I'm gonna get in trouble there um that that uh yeah and she's just lovely she's always really happy like happy to chat just kind of gets her stuff done um but yeah I think she's gonna be brilliant so I'm really excited to see her she's had a few um kind of tasters of premiership rugby um I think she's still got like quite a bit to learn but in terms of raw talent yeah she's definitely one to keep an eye on for me, I think, obviously I have to shout out my Loughborough girls, there's quite a few Loughborough girls actually in the Untidy squad, but um, I think definitely Liliad Campion, uh, obviously she's a transition player uh, for England as well, but I think she's been going well in the Prem, she's been in the Prem for quite a while now, um, so I think since she was maybe 17, I think 17, um, and she's been leading that line out well, obviously she's up against some tough competition, like some Zoe Allcroft, Abby Ward, but I think she's, um, you know, been kind of uh, taken away um, behind the scenes and I think just from what I've seen in the PWR um, I'd go with Amelia McDougall as well from Saracens obviously Sorry Harrison's been out unfortunately with a few injuries uh, I think she's stepped up to the best of her abilities and from what I've heard and seen she's been doing a good job of it so yeah definitely Amelia McDougall and Lily as champion yeah McDougall really good uh, good shout yeah um Lucky enough to comment out on a, a couple of Saris games, and she's um, she's been playing playing very well. Uh, Grace Clifford, uh, another one of the transitional players, um, unavailable selection due to to injury. But yeah, there's so many players. I think eight or nine that um, you know, are playing to a pretty pretty regular rugby in the PWR, um, which you know is a is a is a cracking standard. You know the sort of headliners would be Ella Cromack, Harlequins, sort of fly half. Um, Definitely think she's got a very, very bright future ahead of her. Millie Hyatt as well has been been turning out for Gloucester Harbury, hasn't she? Um, Neve Swales at, at Sale been getting plenty of game time at, at, at Hooker. Um, so yeah, there's some uh, Tory Sellers as well at uh, at Saracens. Uh, it's a very, very strong squad, and they will go on to play the Army on the 23rd of March at Haven't up as five kickoff. France under twenties on the twentieth of April, venue and kickoff, TBC. 
as is the game on the 4th of May against the Wales under-20s women's side as well. Regular under-20s fixtures, more rugby, more opportunity. Grow the game. Thumbs up. The other international news comes out of Australia. It's a massive win for, for the players. Isn't it, lady? Does that um, does that warm the cockles? Um, yeah, I think it's super positive news um, for for the Australian camp um, to finally be getting those those contracts through. And um, from what it looks like, good good sign of the contracts as well. Um, I think Australia have been coming from going from strength to strength over the past couple of seasons, and the way they've been playing, the talent that's been coming through, they have every right to have these contracts now. So I think yeah, super positive for them. Um, and hopefully that just sees Australia carrying going, going on from strength to strength. Obviously, not the best for England because they're kind of <laughs> chasing, chasing the tails. But I think for international rugby in general, it, we've seen that over the past couple seasons that coming through with Wales as well. It only makes these squads better. So, yeah, uh, very, very positive. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Sards. I think... That's a that's a good wage in women's rugby to to have that. It's um and considering you know they they were in the higher tier of um WXV, but sometimes they lost out to you know the likes of Australia and New Zealand and Canada and stuff like that. Um, I think it's a really really positive sign to the pushing. It'll keep pushing the top nations as well to keep increasing and investing in their women. So I think that's really brilliant and positive to see. And the fact that they've now got forty five players. That is also incredible. Like that is going to add so much depth and strength to that squad. Um, so if key players are missing, they're going to have someone to step in, um, which again really helps in those harder games where you can't rely on everyone to be fit. Um, you can't rely on those players if they're gone. So you you need to have someone to step up into that role and it not be uh, too disruptive to the team. So it's amazing to see that. Um, and yeah, I think it's great for women's rugby. It's um, and it'll just keep pushing, pushing everyone through to keep getting better, keep producing more. And the tournaments will get harder and harder. I mean, they're already really hard right now. <laughs> but I think um, I think it, it'll be great and it will be become a really entertaining spectacle where you do not know who will win. Um, I think we're on the brink of that now. But I think as more clubs, uh, more teams get paid more and there's more investment, it will come a time where you really don't know who's going to win. And it, it, you guys have been in it. You know, I'm sure it's great fun winning 374 games in a row, um, which is what you did going into into and, and through that World Cup. But actually, that's not good for the sport in general. Um, you know, it's about attracting eyeballs and, and people to watch the game. And you know, lots of studies have shown that it's actually about the more competitive games are the ones that you know, people remember and, and want to go back and, and, and watch. So, um yeah, he's pulling up those standards, and fair play to the RFU. Almost embarrassed these nations to 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 put some proper investment in. We've seen it with uh, South Africa, uh, Lynn Campwell waving her wand down there. We're now seeing it in Australia. Joe Yap involved. And before I just ask you about Joe Yap, I'll, we'll just fill out um, some meat on the bones of the New Deal uh, in layman's terms: two-year agreements on offer for first-time contracts. A uh, number of top tier contracts from 15 to 23 with the possibility of increasing that number throughout the course of this year, 2024. Players contract at the highest tier. They can earn up to 72,458 sure dollars per year and in Rugby Australia payments for Wallaroos and Super Rugby women's. That's an increase of 28% from the max of $56,000 in 2023. And total up to 45 players, 10 more than last year, contracted across the three tiers with opportunity for additional players to be invited into the squad to aid player development. Joe Yap, um, I suspect, will have needed to see stuff like this certainly written down, if not signed, sealed and delivered, wanted to, to see this kind of stuff before that she would have committed to to taking on the role. You guys come across Joe Yap, and, and if so, um, what exactly have Australia got? Yappy was my under-20s coach for, I think, the last season and a bit, or or um, to be fair, it might have been more my 20s. I was so in and out with 20s, I can't <laughs> can't always remember who's there. Um, but yeah, Yappy was there for a long time, um, and yeah, she's lovely. She's really, um, she's really calm. She's very collective to herself. But I know a lot of listening to a lot of the Worcester girls and a lot of the girls who had Yappy um, a, a while back, like Amber Reed and Emily Scarrett, they all love her. They absolutely love her. I think they think 
she's really down to earth. She really cares about the players. So I think, yeah, definitely for her to take this role, it would have been incredibly hard for her as a person and the coach she is to try and care and look after all these players when they're spread across Australia. I think she needed them to be, you know, well looked after by the union. She needed to know that the union was going to support her and her team um, before she yeah, could really kind of take that up. Otherwise, I think it, it would have been really hard for her. Um, so I think this is brilliant. I think it's a great opportunity. And um, they've got someone who will be there to push women's rugby and continue to strive for success, but also just help them get on and be, understand professionalism and someone to support them around that, because that can be a really hard transition as well. Yeah, full credit to... The Wallaroos, yeah, they came out very strongly, didn't they, um, on social media and said kind of enough is enough. But um, some really positive stuff. Julie Collins heading up um, Women's Rugby in Australia. Got Joe Yap now got um, all these contracts uh, and agreements in place and it's only positive stuff. If only we were able to speak to one or two of them. Uh, Caitlin Leaney, the second Wallaroo to leave Harlequins. Certainly a frontline player. Um, spent a lot of time on the on the bench, but the young second row, back row, an outstanding World Cup, very good WXV one. Um, she's off to New South Wales Waratahs. What are New South Wales gaining? Yeah, no, I think Caitlin Leaney, she was a, a real key part of Harlequin's pack, uh, especially last season. Um, definitely someone teams would identify and ID what her, her strengths were. She was great in the line out and leading that line out, and I think it's around Park, um, a really prevalent, you know, player on, on the team. So yeah, a huge loss um, for Harlequins, and I know towards the well, this this season she's been taking that seat on the bench, um, which you know for me as well was a surprise um, because I, I like I said she's such a key player for Quins and has been. Um, so yeah, definitely a huge loss for Quins, especially in that line out. Um, obviously they do have. I was like a Rose there who can lead that, but I think Caitlin was um, really good and, and instrumental there. Um, and so I think, yeah, a, a really good signing for New South Wales. And here's Glory with all the news from around the world. I'm Kate Zachary, and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Thank you, Sadia. It's good to be back. I'm Marie Taylorson from the Valkyries at Waveridge Vandals. Here's this week other news. We start in France. The Elite R Feminine played out round seven at the weekend. Pool one, Leo lost at home to ASA Rogmana, 9.38. It was a huge win for Stade Baudelaire. The champs putting on 87 points on Stade Francais with no response. Montpellier racked up a 52-7 win over Bobogny. In Pool 2, Lyon lost at Toulouse, 33-7. It was a tight one between Pirate and Stade Brunet. 18-20, it finished to Stade Brunet. And at the foot of the Alps, Grenoble beat Blagnac, 18-23. Which all means in Pool 1, Stade Baudelaire extend their lead at the top. 7 wins from 7, with 33 points. ASA Rogmanar and Montpellier on 29 and 25 points, respectively. Similar in Pool 2, Stade Toulouse faultless, 7 wins from 7 on 33 points, Blagnac in 2nd on 24, then Grenoble on 19. This week sees Rochmanar host Stade Baudelaire. Lille travel to Bobogny and Stade Francais and Montpellier go head-to-head. Pool 2, Stade Toulousain go to Stade Rene, Blagnac entertain Paul and Lyon go up against Grenoble. The playoffs in the Celtic Challenge got up and running at the weekend. Glasgow lost to Britain Thunder, 17-24, while at the Hive Stadium in Edinburgh, it ended 26-all between Edinburgh and the Wolfhounds after the Irish side scored two late tries. So they stay top on 27 with Edinburgh behind on 23. So this weekend, it's Gwalior Lightning hosting Glasgow at 12.30 and the all-Irish clash between Wolfhounds and Clovers kicking off at 4.30pm 
with both of those games at the Kingspan Stadium in Belfast. Tunisia have won the Arab Rugby Sevens for the third year in a row. The expanded tournament to eight teams still finished up with an unchanged first, second, third and fourth. That's all this week. Back to Sadia, Bernard and Johnny. See you next time. So there was only one game at the weekend. It was Gloucester versus Sale. Um, I think it was a tighter game than, than we all expected. We had Tails on the podcast last week saying that Sale were really up for it. Um, and the final score for that game was 28-3, um, with Gloucester having a really dominant scrum as well, I believe. Yeah, and then that's some bounce-back ability. You can only try and get better each week, can't you, Sartre? And, you know, 64 by, I think it was against Exeter the week before, six days before. Um, our emotions were running high, as we heard from Tails, you said, Bernard. Um, but that's that's a good result against the champions. Yeah, I think that was a, a really good result for, for Sal. I think when you're in a bit of a rut and, you know, coming off a, a 64-5 loss to Exeter, um, 28-3 against the reigning champions is something, you know, that is a huge, huge improvement. Um, I think when you're looking at it from the outside, you might think 28-3s are still a big score. But I think for Sale, they're definitely taking away and chipping away at small, small things. And I think that's coming out clearly in their game. Um, you know, leading 3-0 three, three up for it with a... Um, Penalty from Bish Swagoni in the first in the first half for a solid amount of time. You know that's that's definitely you know a great positive and to have a, a hold in that game. Um, even if they did come out with a, a loss in the end, they're definitely something's definitely clicking and working again. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I've been there at Richmond. We, we we used to get big scores in us, and then slowly we chip away down. And for us, that was huge, huge, huge winning. So I think for say it will definitely be be the same for them. Yeah, and I also think Gloucester, like, they had a bit of a choppy start to the season, had some games on, some games off, um, and now they've run in since Christmas. They have a game every week. That's really tiring, particularly with the injuries that they have. There's a big chunk of the team um, who have picked up things here and there. Um, And also now Six Nations is building up. You're losing some of your players in the week to Welsh camp, Scottish camp, all different types of camps are going on. So I think Gloucester are probably just feeling a bit battered at this point. Everyone had a nice rest week and less they, ha- they had another tough game. And because they are the champions, they do have a target on their back. Everyone wants to win. Everyone knows it's going to be hard. So they're, they're ready for it. Um, so I do think, yeah, although, the, you know, they managed to get the win and they're very good at doing that. I think they will start to feel a little bit bumped and bruised. I think... Um, I think they're having a little bit of a down day today um, and doing some social events. So hopefully they can, you know, just build up that that team energy a little bit more and without the training aspect to it. Yeah, recharging the batteries. Yeah, they certainly kind of hit the the power button, didn't they? Uh, you look at the the, the try scorers, the scrum, as you say, Bernard was was dominant. Catherine Buggy, uh, Steph Els, uh, Alex Matthews, Kelsey Jones um, on the score sheet. Um, Sale getting a couple of injured players back as well. Molly Wright, um, flag of Victoria Irwin. Um, so good to see those players back because, you know, they're, they're like Gloucester have got a, a fair few occupying the, the, the physio room. Um, so well done to Gloucester Hartbury. Now 10 from 10. The only unbeaten side in the PWR top of the table, obviously. This weekend, two games under the lights. On Friday night, Leicester up against Ealing Trailfinders. Where is that going to be won and lost, Sadia? I think previously we've spoken about Ealing Trailfinders being really good offset piece. Um, that's where most of their tries come from, first, second phase, offset piece. Um, whereas I think Leicester are quite good um, off broken play. Um, you know, with the likes of Meg Jones um, in there, I think they like to take quick taps here and there, and a lot of their tries come from, you know, either wonder efforts from, you know, individuals or just really good link play off broken play. So I think each team have really separate strengths. Um, so I think it will, each team literally has to it'll be one on who does the best kind of analysis on their team and the best prep during the week because they play so differently. It's kind of hard to try and match up those strengths or match up those weaknesses. So. 
they're the, perhaps the best and on, on a day is able to problem solve on the pitch, I think, will come out with the win because they are, yeah, two very different sides in, in how they in how they play. It's fascinating, isn't it? Cause brand, brand new clubs and, and approach it so completely differently. It's uh, it's incredibly interesting. Well, and is it Amy Cocaine's back this week, I think? Back in the mix. Amy Cocaine is back. Which will be brilliant. Yeah, and I, I think Leicester potentially didn't have the set piece at the start of the season. Um, but do you know what? They've really come on. Their set piece is getting really, really good. Their scrums has been, you know, occasionally dominant. Um, and I think that actually it's probably going to be, I'm going to be a bit contradictory of Sadia here. I think it's going to be a battle of the packs. I think you've got a very similar style of, um, your backs with how you play. They play a rush defence. They're tr- going to try and mess up your ball or score those, like Saad said, those in- individual tries where I actually think it's going to be whoever has the most cohesive pack who can get the best setup. And if you've got someone like Amy Kane coming back who can deliver that and is an explosive player as well, um, I probably, I'm going to have to say, I think Leicester might have this one this time. Ooh, she's going Leicester. Saad Kabea, where's your one virtual pound going. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go lesser as well actually. Are you? Mm-hmm. Two for lesser tigers the Amy Cocaine effect. <laughs> that but also they have been going well. They've been going from strength to strength obviously. Unfortunately lost to them but they they put out a really, really good performance. Um so I can definitely see them um, taking the win against Ealing. Went to watch uh, England uh, train uh, on Friday. The the men uh, lucky enough to to wheel up into the into the museum and view the boys and and their mates. And uh, I thank the guys there very much for for allowing us to do that. Uh, and we were going through all time fifteens, uh, men and women. And I had Amy Kikana hooking the boys. Oh, they're beautiful. I I think she's a phenomenal, phenomenal rugby player. And the fact she turns up in slippers, and then <laughs> I. If she ever gives up, when she gives up rugby, she goes straight to darts, can't she? Unbelievable arrows. Anyway, that's my little... <laughs> might do it. It's better, it's better bonuses, isn't it, if you win darts? <laughs> there you are. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> quite possibly. Uh, so, Amy, came back. you two are going Leicester. I'm going to go Ealing T. Uh, Bristol, hosting Loughborough. Glad you two are apart. How are the preparations going, Sadia? They're going well. Um, I think last we've had a bit of a... I, I've never, ever complained about breaks. I'm not complaining. But we've had, you know, one game on, two weeks off, another game on, another week off. Um, so I think it's quite a hard, you know, getting back into the group of things. But um, obviously, we, after taking the loss against Leicester, I think there's been, you know, a new fire kind of ignited in the Loughborough camp. Um, and everyone's kind of, Really focused coming into this Bristol game. You know, it'll be a great game. Um, Friday night lights. Uh, hopefully, a really good crowd. Um, so I think we're all really up for the occasion, and we know, you know, Bristol have been going well, but it's kind of, you know, there's a little bit of a, a fight for that 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 uh, top four position now. So I think it'll be, yeah, really really good. But preparations have been going been going well. Where can Bristol get the better of uh, Loughborough Lightning and Sardius back row, Bernard? <laughs> um, I think avoiding uh, Sadio's chop tackles, that's the first one there. Um, I think um, for, for Bristol, I think it's more about keeping the control of the game and playing how they want to play and not letting Loughborough kind of <clears throat> disrupt that um, as much as I think Loughborough will want to. I think the whole Loughborough, I think if I was playing Bristol, it would be try and disrupt disrupt them um, and I think as long as Bristol kind of stick together they stick with their processes um, it'll be a really a really good game it is at Ashton Gate it is at Friday night um, and I think we've had a week off people feel kind of rejuvenated they gave the girls Thursday off so um, they're going back in this week really hard hitting um, so yeah it'll be really exciting to see um, and I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to win, but I am. I'm going to back Bristol because I always back Bristol. So, yeah, I think it will be an, an exciting game. I do think there'll be a decent crowd there as well. Ashton Gate is is a good crack. So, yeah. Uh, and are you back on the back on the radio? Back on the mic? Yes, I am actually. I'm doing 
doing radio again with BBC Bristol. Um, so they didn't think I was terrible, <laughs> now, um, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, I need to get stuck in with um, some analysis. So, Sadi, you got any any good information? Let me know. <laughs> I halfway through that question, I was like, oh, no, perhaps they haven't asked her back. And that's going to be really awkward. <laughs> well, look, if you're an analyst, because it, it is on here, then, uh, yeah, of course, they've, uh, they've invited you back. So, yeah, BBC, uh, BBC Bristol for... Berner's commentary uh, on that one. Presumably, Bernie, you're going Bristol. Presumably, Sadi, you're going Love for Lightning. You will be right, Johnny. Um, it's going to be a 28-all draw. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, on Saturday, <laughs> I'm not getting in between you two. Um, Saturday sees Harlequins travelling to Exeter. That's one o'clock. For that one, uh, Sunday it's sale back at Gloucester Hartbury. Um, let, let's look at uh, Exeter Harlequins. Um, Sandy Park is a great place to play, but not a great place to play. Um, uh, are we are we seeing Exeter, or is there there been enough in the last few weeks from Quins to say that they will challenge uh, a top four side? No, I think Exeter. I think Exeter at home with the crowds that they get. Um, with how they finished against Sale, I think they want to show their dominance. I think they will win. I think Quinns, they've been very up and down, I think, Quinns. It's hard to say, kind of, it's kind of more see how they are on the day. Um, but I just think with how X to play, like they have a really good set piece. They have a good scrum. They have a good structure. They have a good kicking game. I think it will be difficult for Quinns to, to do that, I think, unless they just focus purely on that defensive get them out of get them in the right spaces get them out of their danger zones um i think yeah i do think exeter will have this one i think it'll be quite comfortable sorry sorry harlequins obviously quins you know they've had um, some positive results um but i think exeter are such a stable side um and not even not even just stable they've been they've been you know getting better week on week um with really really strong results and they're a team that works really well on their um, their setup, and everyone knows what they're doing. And I think every time they perform, they're kind of like a well-oiled machine. Um, so unless Harlequins are able to kind of like put a, a stop to that, I think Exeter will carry on the way they have been um, and, and get a good win over them. But you know, still props to Quins. You know, you, there's definitely been you know things getting better in, in that camp. But I still think it'll be yeah, same with Burner, a, a good Exeter win. And Exeter now are, what, 38 points. So you know, a win would be helpful, wouldn't it? Because Bristol, you're seven points when 31. Um, but obviously Exeter can look up as well to Saracens on 45 points. So, yeah, just got to keep keep those points ticking ticking over for Exeter. But we're, we're all going Exeter to beat Harlequins. And Gloucester Harbury against Sale. Odd that it's back-to-back. It, uh, last week, uh, the the twenty eight three was a a replay of the game that uh, got called off early in the season. Uh, are we expecting this similar kind of result and slash winner potentially? But I, I think also Gloucester will be a bit annoyed with that result, maybe. So I don't know if we'll see a reaction from them. But I think also Sale have literally just played them, so they know exactly what to do, what to review. So I'm torn between will Gloucester come back like this fiery team that have been a bit annoyed and rattled or will it actually be close again because Sale will sit down, do their homework and like go to go to battle again. So um, I'm unsure, but I'm, I am going to think, I do think Gloucester will win just because they're very good at winning, even if it's the last minute. I think probably it'll be a similar score, um, definitely because you can only really play with what you got on Gloucester still are missing quite a few of their players and they're still playing with quite a young um young team. Um but I think definitely if they'll go back um and do their analysis, then kind of see where, where they can um you know get a bit more of a foothold into the game. I think obviously in their in their backs Gloucester have a really young back line. Um and I think maybe other teams haven't haven't really analysed that yet. So you know, it'll be interesting to see but I think yeah still gonna go with Gloucester to get the win. Um, but yeah, maybe Sal could get a few more points on the board. Yeah, I, I just feel Gloucester have another gear to go to at the minute. Uh, and that's 
not taking anything away from from sale um we heard from the the horse's mouth uh last week and, you know long-term projects the local girls young girls you know the average age was it about 21 22 23 that kind of mark at the minute uh these these young girls getting lots of experience so we, we all go gloucester for that one we must just uh just touch on a sale making a history making fixture uh, yeah, which Sales told us about last week. They're playing Ealing Trail Finders at the Salford Stadium Saturday, the 9th of March, 2 o'clock. It marks the close. International Women's Day celebrations as part of Northern Rugby Matters campaign. It certainly does. Full support for that one. Do, yeah, get your tickets out on 9th of May. Uh, sorry, 9th of March, uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, yeah, just go to the Sale website to grab your tickets for that. That's planning for another week. Uh, do get yourselves down to the grounds if you can. And the uh, the Celtic, Celtic Challenge games as well going on over the weekend. Quality of Lightning, uh, the Irish Clash um, at the Kingspan if you're around the Belfast area. Uh, any shout-outs for us, ladies? Sadio, you got any? Yes, one shout-out going to Lindsay O'Donnell, retired from rugby altogether after 20 caps. A very good World Cup in 2022 and a real stalwart for Worcester Warriors women. Yeah, retired from all rugby altogether has uh, Lindsay O'Donnell. And yes, congratulations on um, putting out for Scotland and, and Worcester Warriors. Well done, her. Go well Friday night uh, behind the mic, Sarah Byrne. You won't want to go back to playing at this rate. You're in front of a mic more than you're in boots nowadays. No, I definitely want to get back to playing. I hate not being able to it's doing my head in. <laughs> Understood. I think we've got that message loud and clear, viewers uh, and listeners. Sarah Pam, will we return to a pitch to you, you as soon as she she, she can? Uh, Sadia, um, we just seen you. Yeah, you're the cover girl for the fixture on social media with the new locks. How, how are you going to protect the new locks? Uh, I'm going to return with my Gilbert scrum cap. Beautiful, my beautiful garments. <laughs> that will be the war this weekend. Do notice the flowing locks out the back, ladies and gentlemen, as Sadia is putting in yet another bone-crunching tackle. Uh, ladies, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to you two. Thank you to Tom. Thank you to Vicky. Thank you out there for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.